You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, I just wanted to try that, see if I still could. Jason Whitlock here. You are watching Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Happy Monday. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's good to be back. We were gone all last week uh, as myself and several others on the staff were in a wrestling match with Omicron. Did I say that right? Omicron, Omicron, whatever it is. Uh, the variant. Uh, my symptoms were uh, very mild. I had uh, one day of a bad headache and being really tired, uh, but I never had uh, a fever or anything like that. Uh, but I did just spend, what, nine straight days in total isolation and away from everybody and a lot of time reflecting. And so uh, I feel somewhat refreshed. I certainly feel like I used the time wisely and gathered my thoughts. And I think we're going to have a great show today. It's good to be back in the saddle. Good to be back uh, with you all. I hope that you miss me. Uncle Jimmy tested positive for the second time, uh, but his symptoms were mild as well. He'll be here uh, at the end of the show to help me talk about uh, today's topic and events. Uh, but several other people on the team also uh, wrestled with Omicron. Uh, I don't know, I'm good to be on the other side of it. I'm glad I had it because I got tired of everyone talking about it and you haven't had it or blah, blah. Well, now I've had it. Now I'm just like everybody else. And so I've had it and I survived it, knock on wood, uh, like 99.9% .9 of everybody else, I survived. Uh, but you know who did not survive? My Kansas City Chiefs. And so uh, we'll get into today's show. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about what we just witnessed on this past Sunday, NFL Sunday. We'll do that with uh, Steve Kim and TJ Moe, uh, not gonna have a bunch, of, not gonna try to make up for lost time and cover a bunch of ground that we missed last week because we were out with COVID. Uh, we're gonna just stick to the most recent event and that was the Kansas City Chiefs losing to the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC Championship game. And so uh, let's get a fire start and then bring on Steve Kim. Uh, on the weekend, ESPN reported the end of Tom Brady's football career. Patrick Mahomes reminded us while he'll never rival Tom Brady. Too much talent. 
An overabundance of talent undermines accomplishment. Talent is what separated Bill Russell from Wilt Chamberlain. It's what has foiled LeBron James's attempt to catch Michael Jordan. Like Wilt and LeBron, Mahomes is the featured attraction at the circus. He's the bearded lady, a once-in-a-lifetime talent you must see to believe. He is the most supremely talented quarterback we've ever seen. He can make every throw from any position, but the ultimate winner slash champion? That will never be Patrick Mahomes. The game is too easy for him. He will always battle bouts of boredom. He will lose focus. He will eschew the routine for the spectacular and lose games he otherwise shouldn't. It happened yesterday in the AFC Championship. Right before halftime, Mahomes and the Chiefs were at the threshold of salting away the Bengals. Leading 21 to 10, the Chiefs had second and goal at the one with five seconds to play. Mahomes inexplicably threw the ball to Tyreek Hill at the five. The Bengals tackled Hill short of the goal line. The clock expired. The Chiefs were outscored 17-3 the rest of the game. Kansas City lost at home to an inferior team that played an average game. You will hear some NFL experts argue that Cincinnati quarterback Joe Burrow won the game. He did not. He took what Patrick Mahomes gave him. Mahomes turned the game with a gift-wrapped third-quarter interception to a Cincy defensive lineman. In overtime, Mahomes tossed a second INT. Patrick Mahomes melted down. It reminded me of LeBron James in the 2011 NBA Finals against the Dallas Mavericks. LeBron mentally collapsed. The Heat lost the series in six games. Can you ever remember a moment when Brady or Michael Jordan mentally folded? It did not happen. It did not happen because Brady's and Jordan's mental approach to competition was always every bit as important as their physical gifts. There's a seemingly endless list of quarterbacks more physically gifted than Tom Brady. Mahomes, Dan Marino, John Elway, Roger Staubach, Steve Young, Aaron Rodgers, just to name a few. Brady won seven Super Bowls because of his superior mental outlook. Human beings do what they're forced to do. If Brady had more physical gifts, he would have paid less attention to the mental aspect of the game. In order to consistently win at the highest level, Brady adopted a lifestyle and mental approach that allowed him to outperform peers with more talent. Mahomes' peers do not have more talent than him. Therefore, his mental approach will never rival Brady's, at least not for another five to 10 years. There's a better chance of Mahomes putting together a career that rivals Aaron Rodgers than one that challenges Brady or Joe Montana. Okay, that's, that's not a very bold statement. Winning seven Super Bowls is virtually impossible. Only one quarterback has ever won more than four. My real point is Mahomes may not win another Super Bowl. When Rodgers won his first in 2011, we assumed he would have won one or two more by now. He hasn't. Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl in 2014. He's yet to win again. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, and Lamar Jackson all play in the AFC. The conference is loaded with young, hungry, and talented quarterbacks. None of them are more talented than Mahomes, and that's their advantage. 
They will not make the kind of sloppy mistakes that haunted Mahomes yesterday and will haunt him over the next five to 10 years. Mahomes has too much talent to sweat all of the details. He's going to make mistakes that cost his team. That's who Patrick Mahomes is. That's who having all, that's what having all that talent will eventually do to you. You're going to get sloppy. You're going to take risks that other quarterbacks would not take. You're going to run around and scramble in the pocket and try to elude defenders rather than just throwing the ball out of bounds or taking the incompletion or just taking the five-yard sack. You're going to do what Patrick Mahomes did yesterday and turn a five-yard sack into a 12-yard sack. You're going to run around, scramble, and, nearly, and fumble the ball and nearly cost your team the game in regulation. That's what talent makes you do. You're never out of options. Brady and some of these guys that don't have as much talent, they do the smart thing because they have to. It's all their talent will allow them to do. It's not that Brady is some super superior intellect compared to Patrick Mahomes. He just doesn't have the options that Patrick Mahomes has. He doesn't have the options that John Elway had, that a lot of really talented quarterbacks have, and so he plays a different game, and Jordan to the same, not to the same degree, but Jordan, again, you gotta remember, Jordan didn't make varsity his sophomore year of high school. In his mind, he was disrespected, not fully appreciated. He was the third pick in the NBA draft, drafted after Sam Bowie and Akeem Olajuwon. All these things put a chip on Jordan's shoulders and the style of play that they allowed back in Jordan's early part of his career that was very physical or whatever. His physical gifts didn't make him a freak among his peers because he was allowed to be defended in a way that eliminated a lot of his physical gifts. The Detroit Pistons, the Boston Celtics, they would put Jordan on his ass. You can't do that now. And so no matter how physically gifted Jordan was, there was a style of play in the NBA allowed back then that rendered a lot of his physical gifts irrelevant. So Jordan had to compete on an intellectual level the same as he did on a physical level, the same why Bill Russell always outcompeted Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain had all the talent in the world. Bill Russell had a lot of talent. Not like Will, so he without smarting. All right, uh, before we bring in Steve Kim uh, to react to my fire starter, starter I want to uh, welcome you back by talking about my good friends at Good Ranchers. You probably don't know, but over 85% of the grass-fed beef in stores and online is imported from overseas. It's also often labeled product of the USA on its package, even when it's not truly from the USA. That means you could be buying low-quality foreign beef and not even know it. That's why you should get your 
T-bones, ribeyes, fillets, and mouth-watering burgers from Good Ranchers. All of their beef is 100% American-born, raised, and harvested. That means you can get steakhouse quality at, a, at an affordable price while supporting hardworking American ranchers. Take advantage of this limited-time offer today. Use the code FEARLESS at checkout or visit GoodRanchers.com. Fearless for your 40 chicken breasts for free. 40 chicken breasts for free. Saving $150 with this deal is a great way to start off your year. Stock up on quality beef, chicken, and seafood that makes a difference in your life and the lives of American ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Fearless to start 2022 on the best note possible, free, delicious meat while supporting an advertiser and a sponsor that supports me, this show, and a point of view that we want to see and agree with. They support the America that we want to live in. That's why you need to be supporting Good Ranchers. It's the best way to support me in this show. It's the best way to support yourself. All right, uh, let's roll out to uh, Los Angeles and bring in the uh, Korean Cosell, who I haven't talked to in a week, uh, Steve Kim. Uh, did the COVID, did the Omicron bug get you as well? No, not really. I'm healthy as a horse. The only thing that really made me sick last week was <laughs> was Ryan. Uh, it was uh, training wheels as, as he fell off. And I have a theory about what happened in Nashville. That was not really the COVID or the Omicron variant. That was the uh, Tannehill malaise. And I think the whole city was literally sick spiritually and physically over that performance. But other than that, I feel Steve. great, and I'm glad to say that the Fearless Army is back. Steve, you missed your window to get off your Ryan training wheels joke. We missed it last week. There's a much bigger story in the National Football League than what happened to Ryan Tannehill two weeks ago, which I told you all season was going to happen. <laughs> That's very much old news. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs lost yesterday. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm completely shocked. I thought the easiest money this entire NFL season was Kansas City minus seven yesterday uh, versus the Bengals. I thought it was going to be a blowout. It should have been a blowout. It was headed towards blowout city. Uh, what happened here? Did the Bengals pull an incredible comeback or did the Kansas City Chiefs blow this game? Both can be true because when you pull off a comeback of that caliber that other side needs to help you let's go back it was 21-3 all the momentum in arrowhead is with the home team and this is the problem i have with andy reed's teams in kansas city the last couple years they don't do the little things well they couldn't make a simple tackle on a screen play that looked relatively well defended the outside cornerback misses the tackle samaji piran houses it and you're thinking okay still a lot of time but from 21-10 on they have the ball, goal to go, shadow of the goal line. You have two plays. First play incomplete into the end zone. Jay, I'm going to say this again. More coaches have to realize in big games against better opponents, sometimes taking the points is the way to go. You could have made that thing 24 to 10 and go in with a relatively strong feeling. You're up by two touchdowns at home. But starting with that pass into the flat by Patrick Mahomes, which was one of the most ill-advised decisions you will ever see an elite quarterback make. He was terrible, not just from a statistical perspective, because those can lie a little bit. Jason, that second half 
uh, and the continued mistakes of Patrick Mahomes, and there were several, it, it almost reminded me of the 84 NBA Finals of Magic Johnson, where he just kept making one boneheaded play after another, which was stunning to see from an all-time great player. And, and Mahomes is obviously headed to the Hall of Fame. Let, let's not go too far overboard. But when he took those back-to-back sacks at the end of that game-tying uh, dr- uh, drive, I-, I said to myself, this is where Andy Reid actually needs to be a coach. To me, too much, he's more of a supervisor, and there are times when a coach has to reel in even a great player. But, but Jason, I think it's interesting. When the Kansas City Chiefs' offense is rolling, it's Eric Bieniemy's offense. And then when it shuts down, it goes back to being Andy Reid's offense. So that, that's always interesting to me. <laughs> All right. Have you lost any confidence in Patrick Mahomes? I, and, and by the way, I think the game was blown uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in particular. I don't, think, I don't think the Bengals played a great game. I don't want to take anything away from Joe Burrow. I think it's terrific what he's done first two seasons into the NFL. But the Chiefs gave this game away. Have you lost any confidence in Patrick Mahomes, do you feel as confident that he'll win a second Super Bowl uh, as you did, you know, I don't know, going into this season? Jay, 13 months ago, I was literally thinking to myself, Patrick Mahomes is going to take that baton like Usain Bolt from Tom Brady, and he's going to win five, six, seven Super Bowls, and he's going to challenge for all-time greatness. Now I look at the landscape of the AFC, and you have all these young guns like Josh Allen, Burrow, um, you know, Lamar Jackson is still relatively young. You look at the AFC and the type of young arm talent that is a spread across the board in that conference. And, and look, Patrick Mahomes is one of those really big quarterback contracts that makes it hard to actually build a team. So the window for them to pick up a few early Super Bowls, the way the Patriots did with Brady in that run from 2000 to about 2003 and four, is now essentially over. Jason, here's what worries me about Patrick Holmes. And you talked about it in your column and in your opening monologue. The right arm of Patrick Holmes is such a blessing that it is a gift and a curse. And the one thing that was very noticeable, particularly yesterday in that second half, his mechanics fell apart. He started to really throw from his back foot. He was not stepping into a lot of his throws. He was playing so off script that I think he needed to be reeled back in by Andy Reid. Just take the easy stuff. Don't try to be fancy. Don't try to be spectacular, but be routine. And that's what I believe the great coaches or any athlete does, or the athletes of any sport. It's not about the spectacular play. It really is about who can make the routine play over and over again at the highest percentage, and the great ones make it look easy and routine. And I saw way too much grab bagging from Patrick Mahomes. I'm watching this game going, Patrick, try to pick up a few first downs and then work from there. I mean, we have to go back. Everyone's going to focus in on that last interception by Von Bell in overtime. Jason, can we be honest about it? That that was actually a 50-50 ball and maybe a bigger body receiver may, may have made a better play on the ball. The pass before, uh, that should have been a pick six from Eli Apple. And I thought that was poor mechanics, poor timing, poor ball placement, poor everything. And luckily for him, Eli Apple had poor hands. So that camouflage is what I thought was an even worse play that led up to the INT. And that's the one thing about Patrick Mahomes. Got to get back to fundamental discipline within his play. 
I think there's a saying in sports, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Yes. And I think when I look at Patrick Mahomes, I don't, I'm not sure if he's getting any better. And, you know, it's hard to improve off that 50 TD season he had and, and to get MVP season he had, but he has not, if you look at this past year, I think in terms of QB rating, in terms of QBR, this was maybe all-time low since he revealed himself as a, as a great quarterback. So I think all year I was looking at someone that I didn't think was improving, and, and then they, they got hot at the end of the season and the defense played better and they're winning these games, and everybody thinks, well, it's – everything's back on course and, and there are no problems. And look, I, I certainly, again, I did not think there was any way they could lose to the Bengals. I thought they'd blow them out. Uh, but, but I look at Mahomes and I start to question, he's not getting better, therefore he's getting worse. And I legitimately now question if he's the best quarterback in the AFC. And, and I think last week we saw it from Josh Allen. Uh, there, there's a really compelling argument that Josh Allen outplayed him last week. And now Joe Burrow's beaten him twice in a row uh, this season. I, I just, is, is Patrick Mahomes still the best quarterback in the AFC? Uh, Jason, you mean the elite Joshua Allen. But yeah, look, I don't want to get all <laughs> Nick right here. But if you look at Patrick Mahomes' statistical season this year, and if you gave that, let's say, average, for seven, eight years to any other quarterback, you'd be saying that's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's what a high bar he set. Jason, you talk about the career arc of other great quarterbacks that never won it again. Uh, I go all the way back to when me and you were much younger. 1983, Dan Marino comes out of nowhere, starts the last two-thirds of the year, puts up a record-breaking rookie year. 84, I think he still has the best single passing season I've ever seen. His record-breaking was so far ahead of the curve, it was like Bob Beeman breaking the uh, long jump record in 68. That's how much ahead of the curve he lapped the field. They made the Super Bowl. In his second year, they got crushed by an all-time great Niner team. But I remember thinking to myself, along with everyone else, man, this guy's going to have a lot of rings. He's going to be a staple in the AFC Championship game, and he's going to have Lombardi trophies alongside Shula. 85 they got beat by the Cinderella New England Patriots at the Orange Bowl, AFC title game. They never really sniffed another Super Bowl. I think they went to one other AFC championship game. History has a way of repeating itself. And unless the Chiefs get stronger defensively and I think become tighter and more disciplined as an overall football team and not just rely on the magic right arm and the improvisational skill of Mahomes, yeah, I actually do think that if you were to say, Steve, gun to your head, do you have more faith in the Bengals and Burrow and what they're building than the San Diego Chargers along with Justin Big Boy Herbert? Uh, I would say yes. Uh, I actually would because there's something about the Chiefs that isn't very sound structurally as an overall football team. I'm going to today not go into great detail, but I'm just going to set people's mind up for a conversation that we'll, we'll have later in the week. The, the issue is they're carrying an offensive coordinator who's all hype 
and actually isn't an offensive coordinator. And I think if, and I know that they won a Super Bowl with uh, Eric Bieniemy with that title, but just over time, when you have an offensive coordinator in name only, a former running back as the offensive coordinator for one of the great quarterback talents in the history of the National Football League, there's no organization that would do this. And I know that Andy Reid, for the most part, runs the offense. It's his offense. He calls the plays. I get it. But you can't show me a great – when Troy Aikman was at the height of his powers and winning, they didn't have some ceremonial offensive coordinator. Yeah. Everybody working with Troy Aikman or whoever these elite quarterbacks are, are people that bring much to the table for the quarterback, the development of the quarterback, the support of the quarterback. And I, I just, I look at what they've fallen into with Eric Bieniemy because uh, Andy Reid, I'm sure by this time, thought someone would have given Eric Bieniemy a head coaching job by this time, and they could have moved on from him as their offensive coordinator. I, I think Bieniemy got the job because he was standing around and he had been the running backs coach and they'd lost two previous offensive coordinators and he was the next guy up and so therefore he got the title. But there's no one that I've ever talked to that has convinced me that Eric Bieniemy is some great offensive mind who's bringing a boatload of value to the table for Patrick Mahomes or that offense. And that's why I think Patrick Mahomes is stagnant. You get uh, someone that talented, you, you surround him with the best people at every turn. At, you know, the quarterback's coach, the head coach, and the offensive coordinator, they're all bringing something to the table for the, for, for the quarterback. I don't think that's the case in Kansas City. People, we're about to get into this conversation this week because the NFL, I think, has hired four <laughs> new coaches so far. Yeah. Uh, so far, that, and none of them are black, and we're going, oh, my God, how come Eric Bieniemy isn't getting a job, but it must be racism? Well, it, it might just be, as it relates to Eric Bieniemy, maybe he's just not that good. Yeah. Maybe people get in the room with him, and he can't make the sell because, you know, a bunch of other black dudes have gotten a chance. He's the guy that can't. He keeps getting interviews, and, and there's just no history of running backs being offensive geniuses as coaches, or, you know, Dan Reeves is the only running back that's ever had any real success as an NFL head coach. Uh, and anyway, I, I, let me ask you this, Steve, before I let you go. Uh, I don't think, and knock, uh, forgive me for saying this because I looked stupid last week, I don't think the Bengals have a chance against the Rams. <laughs> I mean, they're playing in LA, they got an average offensive line, and Aaron Donald and Von Miller are going to wreak havoc on Joe Burrow and that offensive line. The blowout I thought I was going to see this past week is actually going to happen in the Super Bowl, right or wrong. I tend to agree with you. And again, like yourself, look, I didn't think they were going to get out of Tennessee. I thought they were going to get hammered by the Chiefs. They're on a Cinderella run. But what time will it be in two Sundays? It'll be midnight because it'll turn into a pumpkin. 
I love the Who Day Nation. I would buy stock in Joe Burrow. But if you look at matchups, again, look, how many playoff teams or teams in general, uh, Jason, can win a game with nine quarterback sacks the way the Bengals did two weeks ago in Nashville? That's a statistical anomaly. Now you're going up against Aaron Donald, the best pure football gladiator the past seven, eight years, Von Miller off the edge. And this is something you didn't even bring up, Jason. This is a home game. And this is a home game, actually, where the Rams are finally going to have the home field advantage. This isn't going to be Candlestick Five Park like it was yesterday. Okay? There'll be a few fans coming over, flying over from WKRP, the radio station. But this is a home game. And right now, for the first time, Jay, believe it or not, I actually feel as though our city is a Rams city. Growing up in the 80s, believe it or not, even though the Rams were here for about 40 years, it was more of a Raiders city because they had moved out to Anaheim. We had been without football for 20 years, going back all the way from 1995 to about 2016. And we were always an afterthought. Last night, to me, as much as I hate to say it because I'm no longer a Rams fan, I kind of said to myself, you know what? Uh, the Rams have a hold on this city like I've never seen it before. Um, you mentioned something I wanted to react to, and I, I just had a brain fart. I think it's the COVID. I'm just, you, you said something that I want to – so I might, <laughs> I might have to stop and let you go. I think okay. I just had a COVID brain fart. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Before I let you go, Steve, let me tell you about CB Distillery. Does CBD work? Over 90% of doctors said their patients have used CBD to treat a health condition. That speaks volumes about how safe and effective CBD can be. And your new headquarters for CBD products is cbdistillery.com. With over 2 million customers, they're the source that I trust. Some benefits of using CBD are, it helps the body recover after physical activity, it improves the quality of your sleep, and it can also provide you with a little peace and calm during your busy day. If you haven't discovered the power of CBD, you're you're missing out. Go to cbdistillery.com and order online with no prescription required. Enter the promo code FEARLESS for 20% off. Again, enter FEARLESS for 20% off at cbdistillery.com. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. Go to cbdistillery.com right now. This is a story about a man that comes home, finds his woman in bed with, uh, check this out, y'all. It's 2 a.m. on CNN, I'm trying to see what's happening. I'm a crawl, it's not gone, it's just another fairy. I'm mad inside by the line about the people dying. Fauci said, take the shot, Rogan said he's lying. Look at her, she's so fine, looking like some honey. I'm his girl, I'm his world, I'm his chocolate bunny. I've been sneezing, I've been wheezing, I've been talking funny. Started coughing, started hawking, and my nose is runny. Then I took the TV down. Cause she's making inflammation sounds. Something's going on in here. So take your crazy ass upstairs. 
that's not Ran up the stairs, looked in the closet for some ivermectin My baby's ill, that's what I feel, that's what I'm detecting Oh, what I thought was enough to drive a doctor wild I'm quarantined, not in my own damn house Jamaica, hush, can't you see the doctor's talking? Not vax a shot. How many more boosts we got? Until we're not contagious. Until we're not contagious. Now I know this dude from somewhere a long time ago. Twisting facts, we were back in Wuhan, and you was selling bats. Bats. All right, welcome back. Uh, time to roll out to the Show Me State in Missouri and bring in T.J. Moe and talk a little bit more about the events uh, this weekend uh, around the NFL. And one of the biggest stories was Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington of ESPN reporting that Tom Brady is retiring, uh, that this 22nd season is his final uh, NFL season. Brady and the Buccaneers pushed back a little bit, saying he's made no final decision. Uh, ESPN, uh, Darlington, and Schefter have not backed off their story. I know both of these guys. I trust their reporting. Uh, they're standing their ground because their sources, I believe, are rock solid. I just think Brady probably didn't want it um, leaked. Uh, before he was ready to make the announcement or to have anything that was potentially overshadowing uh, the NFL playoff games this weekend. But it looks like Tom Brady's career is over. And T.J. Moe had a cup of coffee with the New England Patriots, a huge Brady fan. And so I kind of wanted to talk about uh, Brady leaving the NFL. And, and T.J., I, I guess I want to start here. This Brady leaving the NFL is similar to Michael Jordan leaving the N NBA. I, I don't think that Jordan's or Brady's importance to the NFL 
equates to the level of importance Jordan had to the NBA. Uh, you know, that league, you know, the NBA was kind of like the PGA Tour with Tiger Woods and the NFL is kind of uh, a rocket ship of its own. It doesn't matter who the astronauts are, it's still going to the moon. But I do think Brady is the most important NFL player to ever retire and to retire while still in his prime. And, and that's kind of crazy to say, but the guy led the league, I think, in touchdown passes this season, was, was in the conversation for MVP. I know he's 44 years old, uh, but, you know, he's still someone that a year ago won the Super Bowl, this year was in the MVP conversation, and he's retiring. Do you think his retirement will impact the NFL's popularity at all? Well, first of all, Glad you're feeling better. You survived COVID uh, like the rest of the world. Well done. Uh, I, it was in Nashville with you. I don't know if I had it or not, never tested, but uh, if I did, I also survived. Um, regarding, regarding the retirement, the, I don't know if you saw the Fox Business story that came out a day or two after Schefter's report. Tom Brady has about 15 million reasons not to retire yet, which is uh, part of the reason he would be holding on if he, uh, if he intends to. His signing bonus of $20 million when he signed with the, uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers there, he only got $5 million of it. $15 million of it was deferred for him to be on the roster as of, I think, February 4th. So he's got a, we will not get an official announcement if he's going to do that for at least another few days, and then he can retire and get his $15 million. That was deferred. Um, I also, I, I think Brady, if he's going to be retiring here, and I'm, I'm actually not 100% convinced that he is, um, but, but I can give you my theory as to, as to why he would be considering at the top of his game. Um, if, if he is going to be uh, retiring here, he's started to come out with all the social media over the last few years. There's no way he's going to allow that to be leaked to Adam Schefter when he, I don't know if you saw towards the end of his career with the Patriots, like one at a time, he started an Instagram and then he started a Twitter and then he started a Facebook and then he started releasing videos. You know, he actually likes interacting with the fans and having the ability, you know, he started doing the man in the arena stuff. He wants to connect with people. So I bet he's really, really pissed that that leaked out. I think there's a chance that he would have been considering retiring and would now go the other direction just because he didn't get to go out on his own terms. Seriously, I, I think he's that competitive. I, I, I believe that. That's one thing. The second thing is I think Tom Brady, more than most anybody that I have seen, cares about his legacy. He cares about how he goes about his business, how he's viewed. He doesn't want to go out like Peyton Manning, where his arm was falling off and they won the Super Bowl anyway. In 2015, Peyton Manning couldn't throw the ball seven yards and they ended up winning the Super Bowl because they had an unbelievable defense. Tom does not want that. And so I think he made a cognizant decision in uh, when he left the Patriots, that he wanted to have more fun. I mentioned the social media. So he came out with, with his different stuff. He wanted to do stuff you couldn't really do when you were with the Patriots. He did it because he was Tom, but he's still, I mean, Darrell Revis was on video last week, or, uh, or at least that's when I saw the video, saying like, listen, I won a Super Bowl in New England, but it wasn't fun. The price you pay for playing in New England is that you get to win the Super Bowl, but you sacrifice all your fun. So you get your rings, but you don't have any fun doing it. He said, he, you know, he's like, you can find there are other ways to win, I think was his quote. And so Tom 
had talked to all these guys. He knew that football could be more fun. The problem is he picked a guy in Bruce Arians here that I think the wheels are going to fall off. There are, he, he, to me, is the NFL version of Ed Orgeron. He had a great year with the right guys, and it all worked. And then after you let guys be themselves for too long, the wheels start to fall off. So Tom Brady was used to a tight ship where the wheels never fell off. If Randy Moss started talking about his contract, he cut him. You know, he had single years. A keep to leave got a little bit out of hand. It was it was time to go, right? Um, it was a tight ship. I think the Bruce Arians thing, we started to see a measure of it with Antonio Brown. Well, Antonio, we'll bring him back because we need him, even though we know he really shouldn't, doesn't have any business being on this team with his behavior. Doesn't matter, but in the middle of the game, he quit the team and ran off without a shirt on. So I think the wheels are in the process of falling off. I think Godwin's a free agent. Byron Leftwich right now is interviewing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Todd Bowles may be gone. There are a lot of things that are starting to fall apart here. I think for Tom Brady's own legacy, the biggest reason he would be considering retirement at this point would be because he does not want to have a year where the wheels are falling off when he's been known as the guy who could compete every single year forever, no matter what. In 2006, he went to the AFC Championship with Rashad Caldwell as his leading receiver. He's always the guy that makes it work. He doesn't want to go out as the guy who had a 7-10 and 10 season and then retired because it doesn't work anymore. Mm. It's interesting you say the wheels may come off and Bruce Arians may have let things get out of hand, but Bruce Arians is the guy that I think didn't want Antonio Brown. He got in bed with Antonio Brown to please Tom Brady. And so if the wheels are coming off in Tampa, Brady's played a little bit of a role in that. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I think he, you know, Tom was the one who wanted him to be in New England where it didn't work out. And he brought him there. And then when he went to Tampa Bay, I think Tom is at the point of his life where he he knows he needs the weapons. He had plenty of years without the weapons in New England and he was still making it work. But he needs the weapons at this point to go win more Super Bowls towards the end of his career. And I know, honestly, I've, I've gotten off track because that's what I was thinking about. You were asking more about the NFL and whether or not they need Tom Brady to answer that part of the question. I think uh, was it see it's it's really hard to gauge what happened to the NBA when Michael Jordan retired because they went straight into a lockout year. They had the half season in 1999 with with Tim Duncan and those the Spurs winning it. But if you go look at the NBA ratings, the drop off was like 35 percent. I mean, it's like nothing we've ever seen in sports before. And I think, as you said, the NFL is a rocket ship and that's a really big deal because of gambling now and the way it works because of fancy football there will always be eyes on the television but the biggest difference to me between uh or, or the, the big similarity to me between tom brady and michael jordan is that we could identify almost uh in full agreement that these are the best players to ever play the game and we knew it while they were still in their prime Michael Jordan came back after his first retirement. Everybody knew that we had the privilege of seeing the greatest player to ever play the game and continue on in his career. We saw the same thing with Tom Brady. We've been talking about him as the best player in the NFL history for a decade, and he's just kept going. I mean, he's had three separate, if they, you've seen people breaking it down this week after the, the maybe retirement announcement or uh, report, that he's had three separate Hall of Fame careers. 
So you look, I mean, he goes to Tampa Bay, brings his guys with him and wins a Super Bowl in the first year. So to me, that the NFL is going to take a hit from an overall interest perspective, because I think when you are when you can all agree you're watching the greatest to ever do it and he leaves the game, there's no way the interest will ever be the same. Yeah, I, I think it's very similar to what Tiger Woods did for golf because you knew every time he was on the course, you were watching history and you were watching a guy that was either going to surpass Jack Nicholas or at least he's right there with Jack Nicholas and, and same Jordan and, and same with Brady. And, and I don't know if, if anybody can actually replace Tom Brady. I'm going to ask this question a little bit out of order. Uh, than what I intended. I'm going to circle back to my other little theory, but I'm going to ask, is there anybody, who would you identify as the young quarterback with the best chance of being the next Tom Brady? And, and I ask that just because I think most people would have been like, oh, it's Patrick Mahomes until this past weekend, and now it's up for grabs again. I'm going to give you a cop-out answer, and you're not going to like it, but the answer is, I don't think that person exists until they show us who they are and they can't do that until well down the line. And I'll give you my guess as to who that will be. But the, but uh, my same grandfather who told me that poem uh, I had told you about several weeks ago, wrote me a letter when I was like eight years old. And, and we were just, you know, we were talking about how things could, uh, how, how players could be their very best and how, what made Michael Jordan different than say, um, you know anybody else in the league and it wasn't that he was the greatest defender it wasn't that he was the, the best at scoring points it was that michael jordan showed up every day and competed against who michael jordan was the day before and that's what made him his absolute greatest and every day you have somebody new to compete against this is why patrick mahomes is never going to be this guy because your article nailed it patrick mahomes is already better than everyone else and Patrick Mahomes can run around and he already has the greatest arm that's ever existed. He already he's the only guy who's ever thrown a, a pass upside down in the Super Bowl and hit his his wide receiver in the face with it. I mean, he does things that are Superman like that. I don't think we'll see anybody else do, but he's not playing against Patrick Mahomes and who Patrick Mahomes was the day before, which means Patrick Mahomes will never reach the potential of who Patrick Mahomes can be. And if you can't reach your own potential, how can you ever be the greatest ever? And so to me, I think that that is what has separated Tom Brady. I mean, I, I think I've told you this story before. Um, in 2013, when I was uh, in, in training camp with the Patriots, Tom Brady we were all lifting weights in the in the weight room and Tom was doing like 135 pounds because that's about his max and uh, on the bench press. And in between reps, he would stand up and I don't want to get out of the camera angle here, but he would stand up by himself, pretend to have a football. He would look down at his footwork. He would step forward and he would practice his throwing motion on air in between every set of bench press. And he did this the entire workout. And it was him working on his fundamentals to be more consistent so that he could be the best version of Tom Brady that ever existed. And so Tom, uh, I don't, I don't know. Do you remember the, the 60 minutes interview that he had after he won the first Super Bowl, where he, it was kind of, it was almost a come to Jesus moment, except that, you know, he didn't come to Jesus, which was a, a bit problematic. He said, is this it? There's gotta be more like he won the Super Bowl and he kind of looked around and said, is this it? And so, you know, as a kid, I was, you know, especially as a Christian kid, I was hoping he was going the Kurt Warner route and he was going to sort of 
try, you know, figure out his spirituality. He didn't. What he did is he put his head in the sand and said, I've got to be the greatest that has ever existed. And so he then turned and he started competing against the Tom Brady that existed yesterday. And he knew that if he could compete against himself every single day, he would then eventually get to the point where he could max out who Tom Brady could be. And it turns out that was the greatest ever. So until we see it, it's like that person, we can only name two of them ever, or at least I can. Michael Jordan did it. Tom Brady's done it. I don't think I don't know anybody else that we can identify in sports that competes only against themselves. And so, therefore, it doesn't matter who they're playing against or what they're doing. They just care that they're better than who they were yesterday. And that eventually is how you become the greatest ever. And so um, I haven't given you my theory. Josh Allen would be my theory on a guy that perhaps has that blue collar type of approach. He came from Wyoming. He didn't have a, a scholarship out of high school. He's in Buffalo, where they've been terrible for his entire existence. He wasn't around during the four straight Super Bowl years. I don't think he was even born yet. He has that makeup, but I have no idea if he can actually execute the being better than who Josh Allen was yesterday. And that allows you to continue improve for your whole life. Um, it's a special kind of cat. So I don't know if that guy exists. I like the Josh Allen pick because he's, he, he has every right to have a chip on his shoulder. If you remember when he was drafted, there were a lot of people criticizing the draft. Oh my God, at, at Wyoming, he only completed 52, 53% of his passes. What are these NFL people thinking? Uh, you know, he's a horrible pick. So he, he was disrespected to some degree coming into the NFL. And I know he was drafted relatively high, but, but he has a reason to have that chip on his shoulder because I think a lot of people is, was, was he in the same draft as Lamar Jackson? Yeah. yeah Lamar he's in the same, I think a lot of, yeah, a lot of people, you know, thought, oh, you know, played the race card as it related to he and Lamar Jackson. And so, you know, I almost went into this today in terms of criticism is what are the vegetables of great competitors. Mm. And it, 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 it's and, and there's so much bending over backwards to make sure that Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes and these black quarterbacks aren't criticized. And it's like everybody, oh, <laughs> if you criticize them, that's terrible. Don't give them their vegetables. And, and I'm just, when I think about Michael Jordan and how he invented critics so that he could eat vegetables, so that he could be great. I look at Tom Brady and how at this point he still invents critics and he still you know, remembers being at the end of the sixth round of the draft and all that. Uh, <clears throat> and so, I could see Josh out. Hadley told me something that I'm glad you didn't say on camera. I'm going to out you though. Hadley told me you're still high on Baker Mayfield. Uh, no, and- no, 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 not true. <laughs> not true. Not true. Let me let me clarify this. I said over a five-year contract, I would take Baker over Lamar because I think Lamar was already at his peak the second he entered the league and that was because everything is on his legs and when you are that athletic you're only going to get less athletic not more athletic and so i would always take a guy who relies on his arms over his legs you did not say that baker mayfield was one of the five best young quarterbacks in the nfl no Hadley's a liar uh, i just I, I i got to the end <laughs> and said 
I would take him over Lamar because I was naming my guys. And the one guy that I did forget was Kyler, who is one of the – he's probably number three or four, maybe right there with Justin Herbert. Well, the thing I like about Baker Mayfield, he got a bunch of critics. And so that'll put – he'll be hungry this offseason and every offseason. He's always going to have that chip on his shoulder. Same, you know, probably same thing's true with Kyler Murray just because he's so undersized. There's always going to be people like me. I can't stand short quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> there's always going to be critics of, of Kyler Murray or whatever. But uh, now let me circle back to my thing that, that really irritated people this weekend when I said this. Uh, I'm going to repeat it now. I think 10 to 20% of the reason why Tom Brady's retiring this year instead of next year is because of the NFL COVID protocols. I, I think the protocols are the great unreported story that has contributed to the unhappiness of 50% of NFL players. I think they think the rules are dog doo-doo. Uh, I think they frustrate the heck out of them. And, and I think it's, again, 10 to 15 to 20% of the reason why Tom Brady's stepping away. I, getting boosted next year and going through this little COVID charade, I just don't think he has any interest in. 10 to 20% is small enough that it's a maybe. Like maybe it's just an ancillary idea. Um, my guess is it's probably not even that high if it's a consideration, and it would be because the NFL has shown its hand through these playoffs. They're not even testing unvaccinated people anymore. So the NFL is giving up on their COVID thing like everybody else. I mean, I don't know if it's Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada today, got, got COVID and he said, I'm feeling pretty good. Everybody needs to get vaxxed. And we're like, OK, you know, the, the first sentence there doesn't match the last. You got COVID and that's why everybody needs to get vaxxed. So I think people are pretty much done with this. I think the NFL is nearly openly admitting it by going into the playoffs and saying, we're done with the testing. We're moving on here. Um, and, and if it were a consideration, it would have been a bigger consideration before than it is now. Because remember, as far as uh, Bruce Arians knew, outside of Antonio Brown there, they were 100% vaccinated. So they went through kind of their protocols and stuff. I cannot see a, what is it, a 12 to $15 billion a year sports league going through a third season of this COVID nonsense, keeping players out and not allowing it to be much of a season. Obviously, the first season was pretty bad. This year was pretty normal. So I'd be surprised if that was part of his his overall decision. Um, I, I think I, I, I seriously believe in my theory a little bit that he's afraid that the wheels are falling off. And he he is he is doing what Aaron Rodgers is saying out loud, Aaron Rodgers said, I am not going to be a part of a rebuild. And I think that's a big consideration for Tom Brady as well. Thank you, TJ. Uh, great job. Uh, I want you all to, uh, I want to talk about mygotodoc.com. As most of you know, I came down with a mild case of COVID last week. It was an interesting time for me because it allowed me to reflect more on my health. I've talked about the health cha changes I've made this past year, but one of my new favorites is mygotodoc.com. This latest strain of COVID, the Omicron variant, is milder than the Delta variant. But let me tell you, I know many people 
who had a really tough time of it. High-risk patients need meds on hand so they can start treatment fast. And low-risk patients often benefit from off-label meds because they can prevent long-haul COVID, which can be debilitating. Here are three reasons that I love Dr. Saeed Hader at MyGoToDoc.com. One, he's a COVID expert. This is all he does. And he's treated over 40,000 patients with zero deaths. Two, you can register and ask questions for free. Three, they connect you to pharmacies that ship you a full 28 doses of ivermectin for less than $150. MyGoToDoc.com is your go-to source for COVID-19. I encourage you to check them out today. That's MyGoToDoc.com. All right, stick around. Uncle Jimmy's going to be here to talk about his Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and me joining the uh, Omicron, the COVID crowd. Nerds! Mm. I've actually, for a completely different reason, looking forward to this segment, and I gotta say I'm already disappointed. I thought you'd be out here in full Chiefs gear, uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I'm assuming you're still on the Chiefs bandwagon. It, it, this loss hasn't made you lose your love for your Kansas City Chiefs. Um, <clears throat> first of all, uh, no. Uh, I would like to tell a lot of people that there's plenty of room on the bandwagon now that it appears that you've gotten off. <laughs> um, anyway, man, I, whatever, man. I'm here, man. I'm, I'm here to take mine. There was a lot of people worried about you, Jim, yesterday. Uh, th- Jim, I got that was a shocking loss. Th- there's, I don't know if I felt any more confident. Let me tell you how confident I felt in the Chiefs winner. This is honest God true. I told my mama, go put some money on the Chiefs to cover the spread. I never give, I would never tell my mother any gambling advice. I don't want her blowing my money. I told her to go bet the Chiefs. She wanted to bet the Bengals. Mama, no. The Chiefs are winning in a blowout. It won't. I texted her right before halftime. What'd I tell you? What did I tell you? You gonna second guess me on the Chiefs? And what's gonna happen? I felt extremely confident. So when they lost, you know, I texted you and I was getting texts about you uh, throughout yesterday. And so, I mean, what were your emotions? I would. Uh, let, let me gather myself, if I may. I'm going to be very serious with you. That play right before halftime that you talked about in your opening monologue, right before the halftime yeah. uh, from the one or the two-yard line, Do you, the Seattle Seahawks from the two-yard line? Sean Lynch, yeah. Marshawn Lynch from the Super Bowl, I mean, from at the Super Bowl, and you didn't get in? Yeah. That changed the Legion of Boom forever. That play yesterday... Jason will change the future of the Kansas City Chiefs forever because that's going to be a riff that went down 
in that Chiefs locker room, that's going to be a rift that Andy Reid and Eric Domimini <laughs> can't replace, man. <laughs> Honestly. Jim, I got to say, we did not talk about that yesterday, the point you just made, but that's a fascinating point. That, that, that's a... Because a lot of people say the Marshawn Lynch play changed the course of Russell Wilson's career, the Legion of Boom, Seattle, the whole nine yards. And that's a fascinating take. You, you've given me much to marinate and think about. As a, I hope you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> but with that one, though, who do you blame? Do you, I blame that pass on Patrick Mahomes. I do not blame it on the enemy or uh, Andy Reid. I blame it on Andy Reid because did you listen to the game? Andy was not happy about that pass. Andy said Patrick was not supposed to throw that pass. He was only supposed to throw that pass if he was in the end zone. So it's just, it's just how you gonna blame Andy Reid? Because and because you know what, Andy have better control. Who who did, what is Steve? Who was it? Was it Steve or was it TJ that said Andy wasn't a coach? He, he he was a supervisor. And yesterday that 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 wasn't coaching, man. You you supposed to handle that. You supposed to wheel that kid in. At least if you too busy coaching, hey man, you supposed to have a, 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 a offensive coordinator that says, hey man, he's getting out of control. I mean, wheel this dude back in. But I don't think we're really looking at the problems Patrick Mahomes has either. See, you, you ain't never been married. No, I have not. So, so you don't understand. You ever see Patrick Mahomes when he sits there at halftime, they show him sitting there on the bench and he just be looking off like this and it looks like he's thinking about the game? No, he's thinking about life. A couple of seasons ago when he was single, he didn't have a wife. He's not married. I think, I think he's engaged. Patrick Mahomes is married. I, th- I don't think they've Patrick got- Mahomes is married to a crazy-ass hillbilly bride <laughs> and got a goofy-ass brother <laughs> that runs through Can- the streets of Kansas City and calls this man great deals of pressure, pain, and turmoil. You do know his wife poured champagne over the fans at Buffalo, over the peasants at Buffalo, over the, over, over the edge, right? You know his wife did that. I did not know that. You t- you talking about a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. At- he, she did that. She, she poured, you know, on the peasants. <laughs> Come on, man. This dude is trying to be a billion-dollar quarterback and run a by, by the way, before I forget this, real quickly, and you'll love this, I, I hate when you're right. And this was, a, th- this was one of them things where I hate that you're right, being right about. But let me ask you this. Remember when Patrick was in college? When he was in college, you know what his name was? Patrick Mahomes the second. Even when he even when he was drafted, his name was look Patrick Mahomes the second. Once he came into the NFL, guess what he did? He dropped that second. That was his daddy. What did he do? Took on a crazy ass hillbilly bride and a goofy ass brother. And that goes to show what you've always talked about, which is the importance of having a daddy and having, a, having somebody there in your life. Why did he drop that Patrick Mahomes second off of his name? I don't know. 
I do know that the relationship between he and his father is a bit complicated. It wasn't complicated when he first came into the league. He, he was he, he was taking on the, the, the credit of having a father who was an athlete and a baseball player. And that's why he's throwing all them goofy little throws because he learned that from his father. What happened? Mm. Now we see what happens when you lose the structure of the father. That's what you taught me. Come on, man. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. You've given me much to think about. The only thing I can co-sign for sure at this moment is his brother's goofy and is a problem. I, I, I would agree with that. And that there's something between the brother and and... To me, and I hate to say it, but I got to be honest with you. It, when he went woke on the BLM stuff, it, he he lost me. It just it just seems inauthentic to me. But I, I don't want to make too much of it. But there's just something between the goofiness of the brother. Th- there's something that just doesn't sit perfectly square with me the way it once did with Patrick Mahomes. And, and I can't comment on his, on his wife. because Are you sure they married? I thought they were engaged. Come on, man. And let me tell you something. Let me be very honest with you about this, and I'm surprised nobody said this. Patrick Mahomes will never catch Tom Brady. You know why? Because he don't have a gazelle. You uh-huh. get him a, a gazelle. Giselle. Yeah, whatever she is. Yeah. You know how much money she's worth, right? Yeah. Okay. That's what that, that that's what Patrick Mahomes gonna have to do, man. He he gonna have to get rid of that hillbilly sweetheart of his. And look at this, look at this, man. He got to get rid of that hillbilly sweetheart, man. That that's what you are gonna have to do, man. Come on, step your game up, Patrick. If you plan on winning some more, that's what you are gonna have to do. Oh, for a second, who's on the left and who's on the right? That 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 one wearing that little Nike stringy shorts right there. That's Patrick Mahomes' wife over there. That's Tom Brady's wife. Oh, that's. <laughs> You got to step your game up, man. Here's the thing. Let me tell you why I'm saying this, Jason. O- on Netflix, man, this whole week I've been watching since I had, I've been watching Ozarks. Yeah. Okay, Ozarks, I never realized this. You know, Ozarks ain't but like an hour and 45 minutes from Kansas City, right? Of course. Okay, so here's what. Here's the thing. We think Kansas City, this, hey, man, Kansas City ain't but uh, 45 minutes away from the Ozarks. The Kansas City Chiefs and the way Patrick Mahomes played yesterday played like a damn hillbilly. And when you looking out into the world, you know what? Hey, man, you got to do better. That ain't Tom Brady would have never done nothing like that. Y'all compare. And in the beginning, I was going to say this. I was going to say, you know what? Patrick Mahomes is the Michael Jordan of football. No, he ain't. Right now, the way he played yesterday, I, I call him the Kobe Bryant of football. I saw him took a, take a whole bunch of unnecessary shots. <laughs> He certainly is not as disciplined as you would like uh, five, six years into his career. But man, you don't, the whole Legion of Boom scenario as it relates to the Chief, we may have to circle back on that tomorrow. That's some good stuff. I'm not, I, I can't co sign for you calling his wife <laughs> a hillbilly. Uh, I, his brother does annoy me. You had you a hillbilly when you was in Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that one that would take your change when you would go to sleep? <laughs>
You remember that? I, t- I told you that. I told you that. <laughs> ain't nothing wrong. Ain't nothing wrong with a little loving back in the heels, boy. I understand. <laughs> All right, let's get to the approval rating before I get in any more trouble uh, on Patrick Mahomes. Uh, job performance, after, I mean, he just cost them the AFC championship. I have him at a 14 in job performance. I give him a 20. He just cost you the AFC championship and you get okay. stuck at 20? I give him a 20. You, you got there. Good. Thank you. I'm done. That's all. Uh, character. Uh, I give him a 17 in character. I don't, I don't know. I give him a 25. Do, you say whatever about his, about his performance, but does he or does he, or does he not sound like Kermit the Frog? <laughs> Omaha! <laughs> Omaha, come here, got 375 coming wrong right there. Watch my crazy ass brother. I gotta go play Bond. Okay, come on. <laughs> Uh, authenticity, I don't find him very authentic. I got him at an eight. I took this BLM stuff he's doing. I, I don't think he's authentic. I, I, I really think that Patrick Mahomes is a thespian. He just wants to play the game, but he's stuck in Kansas City with a bunch of hillbillies near the Ozarks. He needs to just, he needs to step his game up. You don't, you don't have people in Kansas City very pissed. Hey, man, I, I, I've come to the realization I live 45 minutes from the Ozarks. Y'all heard? <laughs> come on, man. It factor, he's still a sight to see uh, on the football field because he'll do some crazy, wild, incredible stuff. So I give him a 20 in it factor. You know what I'm going to say about that? Lily, after drinking a half a pint of Crown, is a sight to see. <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes there's things you don't ever want to see again. <laughs> And that performance, hey man, you know what? Patrick Mahomes ended that game worse than Dak Prescott ended his game. I was embarrassed. There's nothing to brag about that performance the way Patrick Mahomes ended that game. No, that's for sure. All right, so I got him at candlelit at 59. You got him at a grease fire. Uh, you know what I hope? You ever seen a grease fire? I hope nobody run in there and pour no water on Patrick Mahomes. You know what happens if you pour water on a grease fire? <laughs> The roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water. Let, the... Let that sucker burn. Mm, speaking of water. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's it, and that's all for us. That's tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Regrets and our decisions we own.